Hey, I heard you had a show coming up. Yeah, this weekend you coming? Dude, I will be there. Nice. So you got your tickets? Oh, not yet. I'm gonna get them tomorrow, though. The show's sold out. Don't worry. I, I got you on the guest list. Oh man, you're the best. Can I get a plus one? Uh, don't push your luck. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Fox Trotting the Get Down and White Sox Dave. With you from the band is Colin. We have the cowboy, Mr. David Williams, fresh off of a weekend of gambling. Dave, how are we, buddy? I'm a broken man, and uh, you said I'm fresh off a weekend of gambling. I am fresh off a weekend of legally gambling. I've See, I've never gambled in my life because it's illegal. I don't take part in illegal activities. Um, but um, BarstoolSports.com, the Barstool Sportsbook, the app is fully functional in Illinois on top of being functional in Pennsylvania and Michigan. So uh, for the conference tournaments this weekend, all we did was sit in front of the TV for like 14, 15 straight hours, gamble and eat pizza. And it was the greatest four or five days of my life. And I could not wait for them to get over with. I want to give a shout out to Illinois for legalizing gambling. And I also want to give a shout out to Philadelphia for being the first place to Barstool launch. If you don't have the app yet, you're in Chicago, you're in Detroit, you're in in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, get the app, support Barstool Sports. Other than Dave, of course, we have our guest this week, our guest host, the wonderful Miss Wendy Rollins. She's been a guest on the podcast numerous times. She is a radio legend. She's a great friend of the band. She's also a podcast host of the Alternatives podcast. Wendy, how are you? I am doing well. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. How's Atlanta? Uh, Atlanta is is sunny. Um, I mean, you know, we're in the South, man. So, uh, yeah, it's warm here. I've heard it's pretty cold where you guys are, but like yeah, earlier today. Thanks for rubbing it in, dude. Weeks. I appreciate it. Yeah, me and Dave. Dave's got snow. I've got winds going 30 miles an hour. And you're like, yeah, it's really nice down we here. We did get that it. first yeah. like 65, 66 degree day last week, though. We had like a three or four day stretch of it. Okay. So. But every year in Chicago, we get that last middle finger snowstorm. Yeah. And uh-huh. I'm hoping that this was it today because we got like three, four inches today. But it's supposed to be in the 40, like mid 40s tomorrow and then 50s from here on out, hopefully. But um, that's just like God's way of saying like, you know, hey, you chose to live in Chicago. You're not getting out this easy. You know what right. I will say, too, I was making fun of Wendy, but Wendy was a, a member of the Philadelphia radio community, the Philadelphia community for years. So she knows how it is up here. And I'm just glad to have Wendy on this week. Uh, let's talk about the podcast real quick before we get into anything else. How was the Alternatives podcast going? We we are doing well. I say we. It's a it's a one woman show. You know how this is. Uh, oh, yes. I am uh, booking the guests, researching the show, hosting the show, editing the show, posting the show, handling the social networks. And all that. <laughs> that doesn't shock me because I know what a beast you are. Is that nice after coming from a corporate entity to have kind of like the free reign to do whatever the fuck you want? Oh, I actually I actually love it because, you know, well, I mean, the biggest thing out the gate is, you know, yes, I have the luxury in radio of somebody calling up saying, would you like to speak with fill in the blank? OK, yes, that's great. It's already done for me. But the caveat of that is it comes with, OK, you have seven minutes to speak with them on the phone. Yeah. yeah. And it's never five. It's never 10. It's seven. It's eight. You know, it's just like, on oh, the for, dot. Yeah, the- for fuck's sake, you know, but then on the other half of that, if you're doing it in person, like maybe you get 10 minutes. So now I'm doing a long form interview. It is a conversation and we can cover anything and everything. It is unedited. Um, and, and I really like that. And I've had a lot of the artists. I mean, I recently talked with, um, Kyle Morris, who's the frontman of the Unlikely Candidates. Love that band. And 
as soon as we were like done recording, if you will, he was like, this is the best interview I've ever done. And, and I know it was because he just like, he's just having a conversation. There's not cameras. There's not, you know, okay, we got to go for time. Okay. We got to do a sound check. Okay. You know, he's at his house. And, and to me, like, of course, that's where you get the best interview where people feel comfortable. So I, I love that because I get an opportunity to really talk to people and let them share what they want to rather than, okay, work in the single. Okay. Make sure you get the, you know, I don't get all that shit. It's one of the corporate. It's all corporate. And that's the beautiful thing about the situation with podcasting is that we don't have to bite our tongues. We don't have to worry about pissing somebody off. At the end of the day, this is long form conversation. We're all going to say stupid shit and people are going to love it because people love long form conversation. Right. And we've talked in the past, Wendy, about the difference. Like nobody thought podcasts were going to be what they were, but it turns out people just love to hear people talk like normal people. People just want to hear their idols speak like normal human beings, which I guess is like why Howard Stern is so fucking great because he gets people on a different level. You know what I mean? So right. It's one of those things. Well, there's nothing to like getting somebody in one field to talk about something else they're interested in, like getting a musician to talk about the sports teams that they grew up loving. Exactly. You get a, yeah. a different side of things or you get an athlete to talk about what rappers they love. It's, it's exactly. you get a different side of people. And that's what people want. And Wendy, right. I'm glad that you've joined this tribe and I'm glad that you're here today. Uh, speaking of guests as well, we do have our interview today with Christopher Brown from Further Music, music executive. He's been through numerous number ones. He's been a part of numerous teams that have gone number one. Great interview. You have to stick around for that. On top of that, we're also bringing back Green Room Picks this week. We're going to be talking about the bands that we most want to see live when shows come back, which I'm really excited to get into. Uh, we haven't done Green Room Picks in a couple weeks, so we'll get back into that. But I mean, to, to lead off, we're going to follow what we did on last episode. We were talking about a preview to the Grammys. Let's go into what actually happened last night at the Grammys. First off, I know, Wendy, we talked about this. Wendy, you didn't watch, did you? I, I normally do. Like, it's kind of my Super Bowl because I'm such a music nerd. Um, but I just didn't have the stomach for it last night. I know who the contenders are. I, I paid attention to who was nominated as usual. I would piss and moan about this one or that one. Um, and, and, you know, some of them I thought were good, but frankly, the, the performances, I was like, it's not really anything that I'm dying over. And the thing is, I mean, now it's like, if you don't watch it online, the highlights and anything and everything you could want to see is posted later. So exactly. I don't have to stick through all the bullshit, you know? It was to me now real quick, Dave, you did say you watched about a third of it, correct? I watched about a third of it. And like Wendy just said, I like caught up on it as I was doing homework for today's show, just like on the internet, um, whether it was at Grammys.com or just someone ripping it off their phone and posting it. I was just searching for random names so I could, uh, you know, see the different live performances and everything. But I like, and I know this is such a meatball, like douchebag dude thing to say. I just hate award shows in general. We talked about this last week because like, I I don't, it's just a bunch of, like world-class famous people jerking each other off. And I hate that. I hate it, hate it, hate it. So like, it doesn't matter if it's the Oscars or, or the, or the Grammys or or whatever. Like it just, it's always a turnoff to me. Cause it's like, these people are like, they think they're more important than you, even though they kind of are. It's like, 
it's just smug to me, you know. I don't know. I like that. I like that you like you did like qualify it with. They are more important, but at the same time, it's like you don't but have to let us know that. Act, act cool. <laughs> just be cool. Like here, here, here's an example. Uh, Brian Cranston. So I got a couple of friends that live out in L.A. Uh, they were trying to make it in the acting scene and obviously fizzled out, but they stayed out there. And um, Brian Cranston, uh, right when he was on top of the world with Breaking Bad and everything, he bought his own ticket to the to the Oscars or the Academy Awards. And like he didn't do the red carpet. He just went in there, like was there in attendance as a fan of like the different actors and like left on his own accord. And like that's the kind of guy I like. I don't cool need guy. to see all the red carpet, like the tuxedos and the fancy you know, gala dresses and everything like it well, just you, drives me nuts because I you can't saw, do that. Well, you saw a lot of the like Fiona Apple didn't go because she didn't want to be a part of the whole thing. And me and Wendy have long been said how much mm-hmm. we love Fiona Apple. But Wendy, part of our conversation last week was that the Grammys felt weird this year because it's odd to be celebrating while so many people in the music industry are hurting. And it's right. weird to have right. a room full of that many people who were already on top of the world acting like this past year was normal. And it just... It felt weird. I did have the opportunity to watch like probably 90% of it. And if not, I was following it on my phone. And I, I, I said this before the podcast started, but there were some really good performances. This was more than other years. I saw a lot more focus on the live performances rather than what people were wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll go into some of the performances that I did like. They were okay uh, it, overall. But at the end of the day, it felt like a business transaction. It felt like uh, you could have slapped a McDonald's or an Apple sticker on it, and it just felt like a corporate Thank event. You. It Thank felt you. odd, um, and I think everybody kind of felt that. But at the same time, there, we do have to talk about some of the people that won the awards because there was some great highlights in music over the past year. We did have picks. Real quick, I want to give a shout-out to Fiona Apple. She won a couple of awards before it started, and I know me and Wendy are big Fiona Apple fans, so I just want to yeah. say – Fetch the bull cutters is that shit. So I, I wanted to get into that, but let's get into yes. the categories that we talked about uh, on last week's show. Uh, Dave, last week we talked about best new artists. I had picked Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, Dave didn't know who any of them were. <laughs> and the winner went to Megan The Stallion. I have to say, just based off of stats, you can't argue with that. She had a humongous commercial year. So if it was going to the most commercially successful new artist, yeah. it goes to Megan The Stallion. But I will say she started her career in 2014. So I like the longevity aspect of, of fighting to make it, and she made it. So I'll give her that. You you said that, and I could see the disgust and uh, just grossness in Wendy's face when you said <laughs> that. I didn't. So Wendy, just as like a, a a quick background on me, my music knowledge and the music that I consume personally basically stops around 2010 ish. I would say, <laughs> obviously, like if an artist was. You know, popular in the 90s, just like the Weez- the new Weezer album came out uh, two months ago or whatever. I absolutely love it. I think it's a masterpiece. Um, so I'm not counting those guys. But if you're like a new artist, chances are I don't listen to you. Just because like, like it, I don't know, like I don't want to call it, it, say it's not music, but there's just so much like computerization and, and I don't, it's, it's different to me. I know exactly what you're talking about. And we're going to get into that as we go on through this conversation into where we are in the music industry now and where we're going to go. So this is actually a great little prerequisite with that. I like that, Dave. Good job. Uh, Billie Eilish won record of the year. What can we say? Billie Eilish is on top of the world. Good for her. Uh, her and her brother both took that award. They took a couple of awards home. Uh, so good for Billie Eilish. I had actually picked for that award for record of the year. I picked Post Malone Circles. So that was who I had taken. You took Black Pumas, who I'm going to get into fucking love black pumas they did an amazing job last night but Allie 
picked the right one last week with Billie Eilish. Uh, Beyonce won her 28th Grammy last night. That's a lot. That's a lot. And then her daughter, Blue Ivy, also won a Grammy Award, becoming the youngest participant of a Grammy Award winner. <laughs> All I'm going to say is when I see something like that, I get mad at my own parents because I'm like, dude, you couldn't have been famous. I couldn't have won a Grammy. Well, I was going to say, the word is nepotism, <laughs> you know? Bit. Yes. I yes, mean, a little bit. The fact that they're like, she's the youngest ever. Okay, guys, she didn't write a song. <laughs> she doesn't have producer credits. Settle no. down. She was on a Beyonce song. she has access to a few things that most other kids don't. So I'm mad at a myself. A little bit. I'm mad at myself for not winning a Grammy at nine. I'll just leave it there. Who else took home awards? We had Fiona Apple. Anderson Pack took home the first ever, I think it was the uh, melodic hip hop award, which is a new genre. But Anderson Pack, who's a personal favorite of mine, took that award home. Uh, and Nasir Jones, Nas, one of the greatest rappers of all time, mm -hmm. took home his first Grammy ever. How's, see, how's that possible, man? How's Don't that know. possible? And first That's off, he's long should, overdue. Long overdue, but he shouldn't have won it. Freddie Gibbs and Alchemist. Wendy, you've been on pre previous podcasts where me and Bruce Warren were talking about this Freddie Gibbs and Alchemist album. This was a legacy award for Nas. I'm really, really, really happy he won it, but it wasn't his best album. I'm just glad he finally got one. It's almost like a like a makeup award in a way. Yeah, like, yeah. So, so those are the big winners for the night. Huge night for the ladies in music. I got to say that. It was a humongous night for ladies in music. I wanted to see Haim take home record or album of the year. But I will say that Haim had probably my favorite Grammy performance last night. We're going to go into the performances at this point. Uh, all three sisters, just absolutely outstanding musicians, playing different instruments. Uh, it, it was fucking incredible. They played the steps off of Women in Music Part 3. Uh, Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars performed together as Silk Sonic, which is something that I am a humongous oh. fucking fan of. Unbelievable. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. As soon as I heard, well, as soon as I read who it was, I was yep. like, boop, boop, well, like went on right on Spotify. I was like, give me this right now. And they were rocking like leisure suits during the performance. And oh, they yeah. had the full They had the full temptation set up where one guy would be out front singing and they had two background singers and one would spin back and the other one would come forward. Just, I'll get into that later once again, but Silk Sonic, Stole the show as far as live performances, but the Black Pumas came out last night and brought some fucking soul back to the performance section. Because, I mean, Dua Lipa had a great performance. I give her a lot of credit in the pop realm. She did an amazing job in her record this year. Uh, Future Nostalgia was excellently produced. But Black Pumas came out with a full band, a full choir, a full fucking... Uh, it, it was unbelievable. I, I want them on the podcast so bad to talk about that. Uh, other than that, Brandy Carlisle did a wonderful uh, tribute to John Prine. And yeah. I've talked about how much I love Brandy Carlisle. Dave, I know you love John Prine. So that one was of my kind favorites of, ever. That was kind of right up our alley. Uh, but other than that, Brittany Howard, of course, making her obligatory, obligatory like every year appearance at the Grammys now, slated as always with Chris Martin from Coldplay doing the in memoriam section. Uh, and then John Mayer came out. Dave, John Mayer came out playing a. Uh, a beautiful Paul Reed Smith guitar with some flowing hair and perform with um, Marin Morris. I don't think we're getting a new album right now, but it was good to see John Mayer out in public. Of course, yeah. He, he I thought he looked a little weathered, uh, which <laughs> I hope means he's just busting his ass in the studio and is coming out with the new album. Yep. But um, everybody on the planet knows how much I love John Mayer. And um, that, like, that was the one, one, one performance that I was not going to miss last night. Like, if I was if I was at work at the live stream last night, I would have 
dropped everything for five, 10 minutes <laughs> and made sure I was in like a back room or something watching it. Cause I love and respect John Mayer that much as a musician, but I thought he was good. I thought Marin Morris was good. Um, I do got to get you. You just talked about on the black Pumas. Yeah, dude. How fucking good are they? Awesome. Fucking awesome. And really cool is that song colors came out in t- early 2019. That's so they've song. been around the block a minute. So yeah. a little self promo ish. Uh, Dante, who is a contributor to Barcel with me, um, out of nowhere, he wrote this awesome, awesome piece on them uh, titled "Get Get Familiar with the Black Pumas Before the Rest of the World Finds Out How Awesome They Are Tonight." And we we spoke about them on last week's show a little bit, and they have been on my Spotify and in my headphones and in my ears nonstop for the last week. They are so good. Really beautiful record. I, I really enjoyed that record a lot. And uh, just to watch a, a band go up there and do what they did, I was really, really happy to see that. And it was a beautiful performance. It was something that garnered a lot of attention. Um, and then the, the last performance I will talk about, uh, Taylor Swift came out and did a three-song medley uh, with Jack Antonoff and one of the members of The National, which I was, I was excited to see The National get up there on the Grammy stage and Aaron Drescher, whatever fucking, you know, for me was in. I was glad to see the national getting represented up there. I've been on record as saying I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan. I know Dave loves Taylor Swift. I love her. I thought it was a good performance and whatever Jack Antonoff does, I'm going to side with one way or another. Yeah. But yeah. what did you think, Wendy? Or you didn't see uh, it, but I mean... <laughs> well, no, but there were things like uh, you were talking about the performances. I don't know um, if you guys had heard about this. I didn't know until it just recently came out that uh, Wolfgang Van Halen was actually approached to play. Really? Uh, I did not know that. He declined. Um, He declined because uh, his take was he didn't want to go out there and play his dad's music because he was of the opinion that if anybody's playing his dad's music, it's his dad. Of course. Uh, Which I think, you know, is is tastefully done. Um, I think it's cool that they offered the the spot for him. But at the same time, I also think you know, it's almost like, oh, Eddie Van Halen died. Let's call his son. Were you going to call Eddie Van Halen before? No, no exactly. chance. No, no chance. No, no, no fucking no. chance. But because he's dead, you know, were you going to talk about John Prine? Or nope. are nope. you going to do it now because he died? And of course, you they know, gave a bunch of awards. Everybody to give Wendy a clap right there. <laughs> Well, they gave John Thank Prine you. a bunch of awards last night, which is something they ignored doing the entire time that he right. was alive, because that's what they like to do. For they the like last to... 40 years, they ignored it. Well, they like to be right. posthumously correct, which is usually how sure. they work. But I'm really glad they didn't do a thing last night where, like, we talked about this last week, but whenever someone in music dies, especially, like, either in the blues field or, or the, the classic rock field, they like to bring up either John Mayer or Gary Clark Jr. to come up and do one of their songs, because mm-hmm. it's like, wow, the guitar is still alive. I'm glad... If you did happen to see what they did for Eddie Van Halen, when his memoriam came up, all they did was put his Ernie Ball guitar on the stage, and it was silent, which was pretty fucking cool. Okay. I just, I just hope that at some point they start to appreciate the people that are here now and give them their flowers while they're still alive, which it's probably a far-fetched thing to do. But Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I, I think... I, that, is, that is one issue that I do, do take with the Grammys. And actually... Um, I, I guess it was at the end of 2020, um, Mike Jones, who Colin, mm. you know, yep. um, he's, he's another jock. He's at DC 101, covers a bunch of other stations, but DC 101 is his home. And he and I had a long talk about 
Grammy nominations and who was out there and who we thought would be performing. And I, I pitched my idea, which I will again, which is that rather than doing one night and trying to jam everybody in there together, yep. there should be a, a rock night. Yep. There should be a pop night. And then, you know, however you want to adjust it, but give these these genres room to move and don't try and jam everybody in together with these weird ass collaborations that you do and tick the boxes. Did we get a rock band? Did exactly. we get a female performer? Did we get a rapper? You know, it's Can I just ask like- you a question as a as as two dudes, just to ask. Does it feel semi-insulting when it feels like they have to check boxes with like, oh, do we have enough female performers? Does that feel kind of weird or is it more like it's good that they're representing? It does. And I also feel like, frankly, I'm not going to name names, but I feel like there were female artists who got nominations and or won because they're female. And it's Mm. like, so we can pat ourselves on the back and be like, oh, well, we recognize female artists. Yeah. I I, I always wanted that kind of stuff and being like, I don't know. Like the, the Grammys seem to always do the right thing too late, or they seem to do it for the wrong reasons, or that's just award shows in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I, I'm glad. Like when I got to watch Heim last night, I was like, "This is fucking excellent." Like this is like yeah. legit. They, they were fucking next level. I was really happy to see that. But uh, when I, when I look at like the performances as a whole, like I do agree that I think they should start giving each genre their own section to say, like, okay, we need to get the like. For example, for people that have gotten cut off in the past, mm-hmm. one year there was two amazing records that came out from Queens of the Stone Age and Nine Inch Nails. Both put mm-hmm. out these fucking amazing records. And what they did was they put them on together and they did a medley of two songs. And during Queens of the Stone Age is My God is the Sun, which is one of my favorite fucking Queen songs. Mm-hmm. They went to credits and they ended it. And the one person you don't want to piss off in the rock world is Josh Hame. No. Fucking tell you about it. He will yeah. tell you about it. And I remember, like, you could see Josh Hame seeing on the green screen that the credits were rolling. And he was like, what the fuck is this? So I doubt Queens of the Stand will ever be back. But, I mean, we're going to watch the Grammys every year and try and figure out what the fuck they're going to do. And we're never going to know because it's never going to be the same thing every year. But No, and that's not to say that if I didn't get an invitation that I wouldn't go. Oh, fuck yes, I would go. <laughs> yeah, see, that's exactly what we want. Like, I like, mean, come on. I hate like if I got nominated. Obviously, this will never in a million years happen. But hypothetically, Dave, speaking, it's gonna happen. I'm talking. I was gonna use the Oscars if I was nominated for an Oscar, uh, for like a Scorsese <laughs> film I did. And I and this is like 20 years down the road after I've you know just talked all this shit about award shows for the last couple decades. I'd be front row. I'd be dressed to the fucking nines. I would look as good as I've ever looked in my entire life, and I would have so much smug. You could grab the smug out of the air around me. Bro, listen, every musician does this where we all talk shit on the Grammys and we talk shit on the association, whatever the fuck it is. I guarantee you, Fox trying to get down, puts a record out in the next year. Somebody happens to send me a letter that says, hey, you guys have been nominated for best rock song. Bet your ass. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Philadelphia on a fucking plane and we're going. Yep. And I'll go up there and I will thank every single one of those motherfuckers in the front row. Yes. <laughs> I'll do it. Yes. But I'll also have, have like an Egyptian scroll with my haters on it and I'll read yeah. that shit off. Too. That, that's see, that's I, I love Spite. That you is know exactly how much I love Spite. That's a Spite guy right Oh there. my God, would that be great? Just like, fuck this guy, fuck her, fuck them. This guy <laughs> fucked me over 13 years ago. I never forgot about that. Oh, this dude, guy wouldn't uh, put our single on the radio station in Memphis, Tennessee. 
I will him. say this, th- this will be something I do if I ever win an award, and I'm not going to name the name. Dave, you're going to love this story. I still have this name written down somewhere. Oh, th- like was, the was, fucking Billy Madison. Bro, this was 2014, right? We Wendy had probably hadn't even heard of us at this point. We were brand new out of college. We had just put out like our first EP. And we had a manager at the time who was a total moron who was like, we had a show in New York, our first show in New York. And he's like, yo, I got meetings with all these record labels. And I was like, sweet. So we had gone to like three and just dropped shit off. And they were like, okay, have a good day. And then uh, the fourth one we went to was literally on Wall Street. And it was Cobalt Records. I will say them by name. But I won't name the person because I don't want to be that spiteful at this point. We walked in. Turned out we didn't have a meeting. Uh, It was more just like our manager had sent an email that we were coming by. I don't know why I thought that would suffice. But we walk in, and this poor receptionist is like, looks flustered as it is. And she was like, hey, uh, who are you here to see? And we're like, the person's name. And they're like, okay, we don't have a meeting here. And we looked at Brett, our manager, like, what the fuck, dude? And he's like, oh, no, I sent an email. And we were like, oh, no. And this woman, I sent an email. This woman walks into the office and she looks at the receptionist and says, Who the fuck are they? And we were like, Oh shit. And she looks at us and goes, I don't know who the fuck you are. Get the fuck out of my office. And we got on the subway. Oh. We got on the subway and nobody said a word for like the five subway stops that we were on. We were just like, Fuck. I've never <laughs> forgot her name. It's still in my notebook. And if I ever win a Grammy, that will be the first motherfucking name I say. And, I and love I, it. And I'll just I be like, it. listen, I'll, I won't even thank my mom or my wife. I'll be like, I want to thank so-and-so for this moment 10 years ago. Fuck yourself. That'll be the end of it. But <laughs> I, I digress. That is that is my Dave Williams moment. But before we go into segments, I just real quick want to touch on something. We talked about how this was kind of the end of a year, a year nobody wanted to remember. Now we're looking forward to the music industry, right? We're getting past this period of time. We have a vaccine on the horizon. Live shows should be coming back. We can kind of get back to a sense of normalcy, but do we want one? This is really an opportunity where we can kind of change things that were wrong before. And there's a few things that I've written down here going into a new era in music, things that I'd like to see happen. And number one, and this is kind of a self-explanatory thing because of what I do and what we all love, but I want to see returned focus and love and participation in live music. And not just like, uh, okay, shows are back. I want to see people fervent to go to shows. And to me, like, we, I had talked to other musicians about this, but we really took for granted the fact that every night of the week we could go fucking, you know, play a show, go right. to a show. And there's just not that fire there. I want a fire and a love for live music to come back. And Wendy, I know you brought up an organization that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, um, well, first I want to bring up to that end, um, I think there was starting to become a trend of, well, can't you just watch the YouTube video mm. of them? Oh, well, can't you just watch the live stream? Oh, I don't really want to go to a show or whatever. And I think some musicians were starting to think, should I be concerned about this? Mm. Are people still coming to my live shows? How do I retain that excitement? And I think you will see people that, like you said, took that shit for granted. Mm-hmm. And now we'll be like, I don't want to watch a live stream. I don't want to watch it on a two inch screen. I want to be there. I yeah. want to share in not just watching my favorite band, but that community that happens for two hours with complete strangers screaming lyrics at the top of their lungs. That happens nowhere else. Exactly. And I think that's what people are feeling right now. And I think that's what we will see come back. 
Um, and I'm, I'm kind of glad for it because, you know, when musicians, and I'm not saying this because it's just you, Colin, here that right. I'm speaking to, but when musicians get out there and share something and give of themselves, not in just their music, but their art and their emotion, there's something cyclical that happens in that room mm. that you aren't going to get off of any screen. That. And I think people have learned to respect that again. Um, and I think that's going to be really important. And I think I think the audiences will be different. I think the the energy level will be different and and I'm excited about it. Um, now the organization we wanted yes. to talk about is, um, I guess it's pronounced NIVA or it's N-I-V-A. It's the National Independent Venue Association. And I started following them pretty early in the game in 2020, they showed up um, and they basically said, you know, the venues are, are, are scared you know, because they don't know when it's coming back. They don't know how to keep their employees. They don't know how to keep the place open for when we can come back. Yep. And they came up with the idea of as a, you know, if we band together, if we create an organization here, we can work together and we can push, um, you know, to organize and approach the government and say, we need funding. We need help. This isn't just live music. It's the bar that they go to. Yeah, it's yeah. the hotel they stay at. It's the gas station that they go to before. There's a whole community that revolves around going to a show tonight. It's a trickle so, down effect. It is a trickle right. down effect. And so they started looking at that. They started you know, putting the numbers together and approaching the government and they have been successful. And what I was really pleased to see is not only have they gotten the funding, um, but they have now created they're, they're going to keep this thing going like a girlfriend of mine is actually on their board now oh, um and she was like early in the game for apple music like mm. she was one of the so she knows how to put this stuff together um and they are going to continue with this and i think it's a smart thing to do because now i think the venues are realizing like hey we kind of got to look out for each other Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, the bands are going from venue to venue. The venues may as well, like, really learn how to make this work, you know? Uh, and so I think that's something, dare I say, good came from 2020. Absolutely. Like, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Barcel Fund, but if anything good did come of this whole mess we've been in for the last almost exactly a year to the day, I think yeah. it was the 17th that Chicago shut down of March last year. Um, it's that there are, there are organizations like that, that have band together and just kind of given a middle finger to the government that didn't really help anybody at all through this whole mess. They just pointed fingers at each other, like right first, left, left first, right. And there were like, like the, the people came together with organizations like Neva uh, save our stages is the one I was familiar with prior to, uh, this weekend. And, um, just like saying, Hey, like, this is an important part of, the community for not just because people want to go see a live show. Like you said, the convenience store across the street, they get business out of it. And it's just a whole snowball. And, and it's, it's great, great to see. And I yeah. love it. I love it. I can't say enough. The fact that like, of course it's been this gaping hole in my life because it's what mm -hmm. my entire life is revolved around as an adult. But I feel for the people who work soundboards and the people who yeah. run lighting crews and the people who are tour managers and the people who work the door and the people who run the venues. Right. More than anything, 
all things considered, it seems like we're going to come out of it on the other side, and I can't wait to get back yeah. to live shows. So number one, right off the top, was just I think there needs to be a return to appreciation for live music because I'm fucking done with live streams. But number two, uh, this is more on my side of things. I want to see artists be better to themselves. I want to see artists not be so hard on themselves, but more than anything, be true to themselves. I want to see artists take back ownership of what they do and not try and have to be coerced into doing different things. I want to see more risk takers come back. I want to see more people fucking be who they are because realistically, one thing we've learned this year is that it can all go away in the snap of a, in snap mm-hmm. of a fucking yep. finger. So if you're going to go out, if you're going to shoot your shot, go out guns blazing and fucking be yourself. And I think we all need that. And that kind of ties into my third point here, which I know we're going to talk about, but we talked about it with the Grammys. I want to see the music industry be less of a business transaction and more of an expression of art. And I know that's asking a lot in one way or another. And Wendy worked in a corporate environment when it comes to music, but mm. I want to see it become more about music again. I don't know when it ever has been. I don't know if this is more of a pipe dream and more of what I want to see going forward, but I want to see motherfuckers care about their art again. And because last night, what it felt like a lot to me was I saw a lot of, dare I say, I've used this word a million times on this podcast, but focus group decided things. It wasn't, it didn't feel natural. I saw a lot of things that like a lot of sounds, a lot of things that I don't know. I just didn't feel natural. I want to see fucking art, which is why I loved and why Fetch the Bowl Cutters got such a fucking reaction this year was because it was art. It wasn't contrived to be anything. It was just fucking art. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I think there is a possibility for that simply because people have been pushed out of their comfort zones Mm. um, and forced to come up with how else can you do this? You know? Um, So that's the number one. But then I think the other is, you know, you have, you have the, the viewers, the listeners, the fans who have come at it from, wow, I really miss this. So I think those two together, you might actually see a more passionate, evolution of music i mean wendy's heard our new music the shit i sent her that foxtrot has recently done we don't give a fuck anymore yeah we're good we're going pedal to the metal i don't give a fuck i'm not checking what's popular on playlists anymore i'm not checking what's popping on alt radio i don't give a flying fuck because yeah. what this year has given me as a fucking artist is the ability to figure out what i want to do what i mm-hmm. sound like what the six of us sound like and let's just go with that. Because at the end of the day, this could all be gone like that. So at least let's go out guns blazing. And Dave, if I can teach you anything going into the music industry, it's what every motherfucker we've talked to has told you when we've asked him for advice. Is find out who you are and go with it. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I want to see moving forward. And I'd, I'd also like, I don't know, see a little bit more risk taking. I, I don't need the same fucking 50 songs on a playlist. Give exactly. me something fucking new. Colin, I got to say, that was a beautiful rant, man. That was beautiful. Thank you. It's what I do. You can tell it came from right here. It came from right here. I feel like Matthew McConaughey in the fucking Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Uh Uh (laughs) I can't do it. But but like uh, that's kind of that all comes full circle to me personally is and I'm obviously far, far from an expert on the matter, but like music to me just became so it was a carbon copy of each other. Yeah. And, and that's like all that was kind of shoved down your throat on the, on the radio. And 
that's why I love the advent of, of like Spotify and everything. Cause you can find what you like instead of like being like you, you have the choice to listen to what you want to listen to, right. To what you think is good instead of, Oh, here we're turning on one Oh three, five kiss FM. You're going to hear the same eight people for the next 12 hours. You know, David, right. can I, can I say one thing? Before- it was a turnoff to me. Right. And can I tell you what that is at the end of the day? When do you can correct me if I'm wrong from your experience, but when things start to homogenize like that and they start to cling on to whatever is popular at the time, you know what that is? That's fear. It's no, fear it's, from a, yeah, yeah, it's, it's sure. fear from certain entities and certain perspectives that they're not going to make the money they th- they thought they were going to make. And especially in a situation when everybody's fighting for small bits in the fucking pandemic, you can bet your ass that whatever is hot right now, whatever the trend is, is going to stay that way while they can't make their money on the road. So I hope that this whole I mean, I've been saying it from the beginning. Hope this whole fucking thing blows up and every single musician owns their shit and they get to move forward, making whatever they want. It's a pipe dream. But I'm going to do my best to make it happen. I think yeah. like Wendy just said, I think that the chances of that happening are better now than they ever have been, at least in the sense like, I don't know, for the first time in a long time. I'll put it that way. Yeah, Wendy's ninety percent of the time right. Ninety ninety nine point nine. That's that's been my experience as a musician. Do you but, want to tell my husband that? Of course, tell Paul. <laughs> tell Paul, what's up? Tell him to come talk to me. Uh, let's go in the on list, off the list. On the list for me is Matthew McConaughey. We just brought him up, but I just bought his book today, Green Lights. I had heard about it on Pardon My Take. I'd seen it on a bunch of different talk shows. Uh, it's fucking outstanding. And the best part is, you know, when you read and you you know who the author is, you read it in their voice. Yes. I'm reading this book in Matthew McConaughey's voice. I love that. Yeah. Oh my God. I feel like I'm sitting like playing bongos naked while he talks to me about like fucking fighting a puma in a fucking cage, which by the <laughs> way, he talks about in the book. He talks about doing ayahuasca and then getting in a fucking cage. Wait, ayahuasca. Drug. That's the, the like DMT drug, right? It's some psychedelic shit. I'm not sure what it's I think. Like a, it's like a tea. Yeah. Whatever it is. He did that and then sat in a cage with like a mountain lion for like six hours. Yeah, that's they... not for me. <laughs> that's Matthew McConaughey. And uh, the book's great, by the way, if you haven't read it. Go pick Apparently it he's considering running for governor of Texas. I don't know anything about him politically, but he seems like a straight shooter. And if I were in Texas, I think I'd vote for him. I love Matthew McConaughey, but I don't want any more uh, celebrities in the White House. I'm good. Yeah, you're right. There. You know I mean, I'm, I'm true. fucking good. <laughs> Let's just leave it to the sleazebags and the scumbags that are already doing it. Wendy, who's on your list? Uh, who's forever on my list. It might be a given, but anytime I can reference Henry Rollins, I'm taking it. I knew so, it. So yeah, Henry's always going to be on my list. Uh, it just simply in terms of, of books, you know, that guy's got a stack of books. Um, and yes, I have all of them. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, there's so many things outside of the spoken word, you know, his, his, the, the books that he's written, his radio shows, uh, you know, he continues to just show up in movies randomly. I was rewatching <laughs> Sons of Anarchy recently, and he has a small cameo in that. So there yeah, you go. Yeah, and and he's a, I love the way he always approaches those because he says, you know, on occasion he gets calls to go in and you know do an audition for something, and it's it cracks me up because he's very everyman about it. He's like, why wouldn't I do the audition? Is it gonna suck? Yes, but they asked me to come, so I'm going, you know, and and invariably he'll get a gig and he's it's just funny to me because then he'll talk about all these people that he saw and he and he'll be like, why am I here? This is so weird. Okay, stories for days. Yeah, yeah, he does. And and if you've never seen a Henry Rollins spoken word, I'll tell you two things. It's going to be three hours. um, (laughs) So be comfortable. Um, And it's going to be a lot more fun than you think it is. 
he's he's actually a hilarious person. It borderlines sometimes on intellectual stand-up. Very, very, very smart. Fucking very yes. intelligent. Yeah, really. Yes. Well, that's not a surprising pick, Wendy. I gotta say that's that's pretty boilerplate for what I thought you would do. So, yeah. Dave, who's on your list? Uh, I'm going with gambling. Is on my <laughs> guest list today. There is not a better thrill in the world than having an, and I and I'm very transparent with my unit size and amount. It's a hundred dollars. This weekend I was playing with a little more than that. I think that's standard though. I'm not some big shot, big roller. Yeah. But like you're watching a, a VCU versus St. Bonaventure game. You can't name a single player on the court and you are down to the last minute when you need a bucket from one team or the other, and you are just screaming at that TV. <laughs> and inevitably, you're going to lose. Yep. And inevitably, you're going to be like, all right, all right, we got to give him this next game. And that rush right there is just fantastic, and I love it. This and is March, it's David. Part this of me. Is it's March. March. The next, it's gambling season right now. Yep. And uh, I just, I, it's, it's, it's the best. And um, I, I love everything about it right now. What's it like? It's my career, basically. I'm basically a legal B word. I'm not allowed to say the B word, but you know what I'm talking about. What is it like sitting next to Portnoy while he's throwing down hundred thousand dollar bets? So I he said something to piss me off uh, on Saturday, and Saturday was St. Patrick's Day celebration. I should say it wasn't the actual St. Patrick's Day, but um, he said something to piss me off. He started making fun of me, so I was just fading him just out of spite. <laughs> And obviously, like I like I said, I'm I'm betting a hundred, a hundred fifty a game, and he's got fifty thousand, eighty thousand, a hundred thousand on these games, and and you know, like that's a lot of money. I mean, that's a ton of money. And yeah. I'm sitting here with like you know nothing that I can't afford to lose, but I'm doing it just to piss him off. And you could see like the steam coming out of his ears when <laughs> Michigan was when they were losing to Ohio State this weekend. One because he hates Ohio State as a Michigan alumnus. Two because he bet Michigan and I'm sitting there writing. It turns out he bet them money line. I bet uh, Ohio state to cover three Ohio state only one by one. So we both lost. I got Portner out here betting a hundred thousand dollars and I'm trying to decide what brand of soap is cheaper when I go to CVS. So exactly. Fuck both of you guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. So off my list, uh, I went with Rolling Stone magazine for this reason. Uh, they just put out a report this past week, this like scathing fucking intellectual dive in deep report on the black market for pay for play on, on streaming services. It took you that long to do that. We've all known that for fucking years. It took you this long to figure that out or, or just the guts to come out and fucking say it. We all knew this shit's going on. It's what I've been talking about on this podcast forever. Get out of here. Rolling stone. Don't fucking pat yourself on the back. Now everybody knows that we already knew about this shit. By the way, Rolling Stone, you have anything you want to talk to me about? Call, call me. I'll be on the cover. Like, it is cool. Like, whatever you want to do. But, like, for right now, <laughs> like, fuck you guys. Yeah, exactly. If, if, same thing. Going like back if, to that original Grammy idea, if Rolling Stone wants to do a story on you guys later, then you'll totally be in on that, 1, right? 1,000%. 1,000%. <laughs> our highest streaming song, we talk about Rolling Stone in, like, the first four lines. So, okay, I might owe them money. Fuck you, you got to pay royalties. Who's on your guest list? You can list? you can like tape a nickel to a to a letter and mail it to. Damn. <laughs> Fuck off. All right, go ahead. When who's off your guest list? Um, honestly, um, I I, I kind of felt like it was the Grammys this year. Boom. <laughs> there. And we. I just I just like I said I just normally uh, I'm interested, but I don't know. Maybe it was because of how wild 2020 was and mm-hmm. like you said particularly for 
musicians and venues. I mean, I thought, like, why didn't they do performances in some of these shuttered venues? For sure. Why Great didn't they question. say, okay, now we're going to go to the Metro in Chicago. We have a performance yep. from Billy Corgan. Yep. You know, why, why didn't they do that? Why didn't they say at the end, you know, collect money during. I don't the even think they talked about the people like everybody who's been suffering this year. I don't think they've talked about the, the songwriters who can't get work or the musicians who have. No, they didn't. No, it was or the, or the people who've been that's working. That's exactly it. Like, I don't need to see Taylor Swift as much as I love her act surprised when she wins a fucking Grammy. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Like, I yeah. can't. I can't stomach that. Talk about you guys, how it's completely gutted your livelihood, you know? Yeah. Talk about or those people. Artists say, um, I, you know, fill in the blank, any one of those artists, take them back to one of the first venues they yeah. remember playing. Yes, yes. And let them pick. And then the venue gets the exposure while they're playing, you know, you can call this number and donate money and it's going to go to that venue or whatever. Nah, but it's like, a better, be it's cognizant a, it's of, a, of who you're standing on. If you're uh, any artist, you know, or anybody in that industry would know half of your career came out of a venue, yep. out of the dude that turned on the lights, the guy that took yep. the tickets, the girl that filled the beer, you know, all of those people are technically part of your career, yep. you know? So, and that's why I felt like, kind of like you said earlier, like all the glitz and the glam of the Grammys, I was like, the music industry is hobbling yeah. right now, you know? If I had a dollar for every one of my friends that were in these great bands that had to quit this year because they couldn't fucking feed themselves. Yeah. Yep. I don't want to fucking hear about a bunch of people sitting in the Staples Center parking lot. I don't want to fucking hear about it. Yeah. Fuck out of my face. Now I'm being, now I'm being candid before I was trying to sugarcoat it a, a little bit. No. Get the fuck out of here. The fuck so, out of here. Yeah, that's why I was like, you know what? The Grammys, no, I don't I don't need to see the parade of stars out yeah, there right. right now. Um, but that I thought it was also a, a great big missed opportunity to talk about what's happening in the music industry. You know, because it made it made it look like everybody who kind of goes to a concert here and there look like, hey, we're back. Music is back. No, we're not. Nope. No, we're not. You know, and I and I thought that really doesn't do a service to the the actual music industry because you're making it look like the rest of the world. You're making it look like, hey, we're okay. But some of those venues you used to go to, you're not going to go back to. They're not some of be them. There. Some of them. Try most of them. Yeah. Try most of them. So Wendy, that's a fucking great pick, and you got me fired up again. And I appreciate that, Dave. Who's off your list? It's an easy thing. I've got gambling off the guest list. Like as much <laughs> as I just talked about how much I love it, like there's absolutely no worse feeling than a backdoor cover or just Max. getting like, in, or just going on a cold streak. Like uh, I was tailing Rico Bosco on Saturday. He was as hot as could be on Friday for as hot as he was on Friday. He was ice cold on Saturday, oh, ice cold. Like you couldn't, he couldn't pick a winner if you paid him a million dollars. And so it's like the love hate relationship with it is part of the reason I love it. But like, at the same time, you're like, man, I got to delete this already. Like, I don't want to <laughs> doing this. Like, I don't have the heart capacity to like, my heart's not strong enough for this. I don't have so the heart capacity or the wallet. And, uh, no, or, and the wallet. I wish like, I was thinking about this the other day. You ever see those stories of like, Oh, random guy is in the woods and stumbles upon a treasure chest of like, 
32 karat gold from and he's like oh and he turned it into like a museum or something i fucking hate those guys <laughs> if i ever did that i am i am washing that through a casino or some way somehow and i am living rich the rest of my life oh, yeah and no one will ever not a single soul not my parents nobody until everything's taken care of like i'll have a nice little condo or something all my student loans will be gone then i can start to you know throw some, you know, throw some nuggets to everybody that's important in my life. But I like I hate those people. Dave, can I tell you something? What's that? I fucking love you so much. I I mean, I got I got a weird brain. I got a weird brain. I got a really weird brain. Well, that's on the list, off the list. Uh, Let's go into (laughs) what the fuck we've been listening to. We'll roll through this. Number one for me, Dua Lipa. I said she had a great night last night at the Grammys. I fucking loved her record this year. Future Nostalgia. I picked Don't Start Now. It's song she performed last night. Great baseline. That's my first pick. Wendy, who's your first pick? Uh, my first pick uh, is track that Manchester Orchestra recently released. Let's go. Manchester Orchestra is an Atlanta band. Uh, and normally heartfelt, like, uh, and by heartfelt, I mean, you literally feel your heart, you rip it out of your chest, you throw it on the ground, and then possibly cut it open and eat it. Mm. So that's the sort <laughs> of emotion you're going to get from that band. Um, however... This particular track, which is called Bedhead, is a borderline uh, kind of, uh, I don't want to say pop in terms of you just mentioned Dua Lipa, but for them, like a very different sound. It almost kind of reminded me a little bit of of Monsters and Men. Oh, sweet. Now, they have a new album that's coming, so I can't decide, is this par for the course or is this just like, we're going to throw you off the trail? So I'm very interested Mm -hmm. in that. Boom. All right. Well, Manchester Orchestra, big shout out. I fucking love those guys. So I need to listen to that. Uh, Dave, you're first. I come onto this show um, and I, I try to be as open with the listeners as possible. Like, I love music. I'm, I'm very happy to be co-hosting a music podcast, but I'm far from like that. I don't know anything about it at all. And I want people to understand that as because like if I, I would feel a little dirty if I was holding a baseball podcast and for me personally, like, I'm like, this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about, you know, but it's a little different because music is such an ambiguous thing. Like there's so many different it's avenues you can go, but black, black Pumas, dude, I stumbled on them uh, via you, Colin, and I can't get them out of my headphones right now. They are so, so, so good. So like after, after we record every episode whether um, a band or an artist is part of a segment or not, or whether they're just in passing, I'll make sure to put them down in uh, my little uh, MacBook notes section and I'll just throw them on my headphones, you know, next time I'm listening to music and they are fantastic. I'm glad they're getting their due on like a popular national level. Uh, Cause I don't, I feel like like a band like them, like they don't really make it popular too often, you know? It's and, like the Nathaniel Ratliff effect to where once Dude, I was just about to fucking talk about them too. I was just about to talk about Nathaniel Ratliff. It's because I have a fucking giant galaxy brain, Dave, and you should know You do. Now. You do. Yeah, yeah, I do. No, I was going to say it's it's that effect to where once it becomes popular and now it's like everybody's enthralled with horns again and they want to get back into the soul shit. Right. People just need to be nudged in that direction and they'll remember how amazing music is. So Right. There you go. All right, that's a great pick. Obviously, we've talked about how much we love that band. So far, we're three for three. Uh, my second pick is somebody Wendy knows. Uh, it's Joe P., uh, guest of the podcast. We had him on a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. Uh, really good friend of ours. Uh, former lead singer of Deal Casino. Just dropped a new single today called Fighting in the Car. First off, incredibly catchy. 
great guy, very creative, does everything on his own, uh, premiered on Zane Lowe's BBC Radio 1 show, which is a fucking humongous deal. Yep. Shouts out to Pergo, who is Joe's manager. Uh, great guy. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Joe P. It's a great song. Go check it out on Spotify and Apple Music and all that. That's my pick. Uh, Wendy, your second pick. Uh, first, that Joe P. track is is fantastic. Uh, I, I love his voice. Um, and sidebar, the only show I saw in 2020, Deal Casino played. So there's that. Um, <laughs> my second one was actually Imagine Dragons. So oh. Imagine Dragons has gotten the last couple of albums for my taste were a little too poppy, a little too polished. Um, but I still was listening to it because I'm a fan of the band. I like what they do. And I just kind of was curious as to where they were going. Um, this, they released two tracks. Um, and it's a really interesting story because um, their frontman Dan Reynolds said he likes albums, the old albums that had like a side A and a side B. Mm. These songs fit together, these songs fit together. And oh, he said, we're releasing two songs, one potentially the side A and one the side B. So they're going to come from these two families and they're very different. Oh, uh, the one that I picked, uh, oh, also this this will catch your ear. Uh, it's produced by Rick Rubin. Okay, then I'm in. That's all I really Yeah, and I was like, wait a minute. Okay, Rick Rubin is in the picture. Now you got my attention. Yeah. So uh, they released a track called Cutthroat. Um, which sounds like one of the most aggro Foo Fighters tracks you've ever heard. Um, but it also has a piano in it that you'll hear that they've used, but they, they've got horns, they've got a piano, they've got these super fucking intense uh, vocals. I mean, I've never heard him at attack a track vocally like he has on this one. I literally was like making dinner and I turned around and I looked at the speakers and I was like, Oh shit! So, I, I, I'm I'm really interested. Wendy, it's, I don't know if, it's good. I don't know if you remember this story, but it's one of the first times we actually met was at Parks Casino, uh, yeah. for a Radio 104.5 event, and uh, you had just come back from South by Southwest, and we had just come back from a festival in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And I said to you, I was like, "Hey, you were in South by Southwest. Had you seen any bands down there that you thought were like, holy shit?" And you said to me, "I saw this band in a fucking parking lot." And you're like, they're called Imagine Dragons, and they're going to yeah. be fucking huge. Wow. And I was like, I'll take your word for it. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it was it was actually St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, no, I, re I remember this like it was fucking yesterday. That was, it that was the was... middle. It was the middle of the day, and they had released one track. I was kind of interested in them. Um, and I remember their front man came out, and they had like maybe 10, 15 people that were there at their stage. You know how it is, South by Southwest. Oh, yeah. It's absolute pandemonium. If anybody shows up, you're lucky. Um, and so uh, he was like, uh, we've done uh, eight shows in, in three days. Um, I, I don't know how my voice is going to sound. This is the last one we have. Um, we thought about canceling it. He was like, but this is the best thing that's ever happened to us. So I hope this is a good performance. Um, thank you for coming. And with that, I was like, two feet from the stage. I was like, I'm going to give these guys the attention that they need right now. And uh, I literally thought Dan Reynolds, their front man, was going to pass out at the end um, because he went white. Oh, that's uh, really and, shit. I love that. Yeah, and I was like, okay. And, and then shortly thereafter, they were at Johnny Brenda's. hey -o. They showed up at Johnny Brenda's and then they came for a uh, Radio 104.5 summer block party. And it was all the way back. And, and, and with that, they took off.
And that is the way bands blow up. It's a exponential thing. growth right there. How there yeah. like you you said that like you were listening to this song and you were cooking dinner. How much do you love when you hear a song that you've never heard before and it elicits that sort of reaction? That's like one of my favorite feelings on the planet. Oh yeah. Like, I, Who is I this? What was made, it? That I was made awesome. A career. I made a career yeah. out of that reaction. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> that is literally what you do. Yeah. Uh Dave, who's who's your last pick for the week? So this one might come. I know Colin will love it. I'm going with the Chris Robinson brother Brotherhood. Oh, oh have you heard up. them at all? Have I heard the Chris Robinson Brotherhood? Yeah. Yeah. It's literally him and his brother Rich. I was it's, say it's Black Crows. It's the Black yeah. Crows, right? It's yeah. so I I knew about them years ago, but I was recently reintroduced just through the Spotify algorithm or whatever. And I'm like. Why did I ever stop listening? They're awesome too. Obviously, they're they're I think they're it's back to the black crows, right? Uh they like yeah, got I back mean, together. If yeah. They're, if yeah. they're together, yeah. it's the black crows. Yeah, I, it's so it's the black crows. It is, it isn't, it is whatever. But um Chris Robinson, uh, like I think he's got one of the fucking greatest rock voices ever. Oh, yeah. my, um, it's my favorite childhood rock voice. That's what I wanted to sound he like when is I grew up. So good, and they are so good, and um that's like that's what I've been listening to on top of uh, Black Pumas recently. Um, but like I got to see that's what I'm saying. Like we're talking about Dua Lipa and Megan the Stallion. Is it the Stallion or the Stallion? The because it's two E's. I know it's two E's, but um, like all Chris, like all Robinson. the music that I listen to, it's like you know it's in a tunnel, and I got a little tunnel vision, so I got. You know, we're trying to break you out of that. We're trying. I know, to- I know, I know, and and you, and you know what. I, I did watch Dua Lipa's like performance and everything, and though it wasn't typically what I listened to, I was like, this is really good. So, and I understand yeah. like the marketability of it and everything, but oh, yeah, I mean, by the way, it's Foxtrot and the get down. the get down. <laughs> Don't do <laughs> just drop the second E, it's it, cleaner. First off, it's not as if anybody fucking gets our name right anyway, but if you're wondering, it's the. No, I'm just kidding. All right, whatever. That's what the fuck we've been listening to today. We are about to head into our interview with Christopher Brown from Further Music. On the other side, we're going to go quickly into our green room picks for the week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the guest list today, we have music executive and co-founder of Further Music. Mr. Christopher Brown is on the podcast today. Chris, just to start off, You know, when you work in the music industry and you introduce yourself to people, you always get asked the question back, like, oh, you work in the music industry? Like, what have you done lately? How nice is it to just list off a bunch of number ones and just stun on everyone like that? It has to feel pretty good, right? It does. It does. From Chainsmokers to BTS to, uh, you know. Lovely the Band, I see on the wall right Lovely the Band, AJR, Max, Dea. Uh, Passenger. There's there are, there are a bunch of good projects that I'm super grateful to be uh, to have been a part of, and and more to come. But yeah, especially in LA, that's something that you definitely you definitely run into a lot of. Oh yeah. What have you done? What can you do for me? Exactly. So um, yeah, it's it's good. It's I feel I feel grateful. I'm pretty blessed, man. Now, when Colin hit me up a couple of days ago, he's like, hey, we're interviewing Chris Brown on Friday. I was like, shit, Chris Brown is a fucking megastar. <laughs> and then we just got Chris Brown, like, you know, big shot exec, no big deal. You know, all that. Like, How uh, often does that happen? All the time. So Alex, my girlfriend, she, uh, she's like, you got to start introducing yourself as 
Chris, no, not that one, Brown. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's actually got kind of a little flow to it. I love that. Business yeah, card. So, I see it right there. I see the business card is Chris, not Chris, that one, Brown. no, not that one, Brown. How you go? <laughs> yeah. There was a couple of years ago. I remember I was looking on Twitter. Um, uh, Dwayne Wade just got traded from the Heat to somewhere. And someone back in like 2006, he, he got the Twitter handle D Wade. And he tweeted a handful of times in like 2006. And then the trade broke and everybody's raising hell on, on, on Dwayne Wade. And all he tweeted like after 15 years was, oh shit. Oh. Because he had to think D Wade. His name yeah, was yeah. Wade. It was like David Wade or something. But yeah, that's funny. But I, I didn't mean to like throw shade at you right there. Oh, no, not at all. Not Brown, big shot, music exec. And what I wanted to talk to you about from my side this week um, was how like, all right, so you like, I've done all the research on you and everything. And you kind of hit rock bottom a little bit and had to build yourself back up. And I respect the fuck out of those people. And that's what we'll get into today. I know. Colin's got his spiel that he wants to get into now and we can do that but I just want to say like I mean you were very candid in in the interviews and 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 otherwise that I saw of you where you're like yeah I had to file for bankruptcy like I was yeah. um living out of a trailer basically down by the river and now here you are like repping a-list of the a-list musicians and like looking at that like so you're coming into this situation where you're starting a new company you're starting yeah. further and then right away the pandemic hits Mm-hmm. what what was that like to try and get your feet underneath you like as soon as you start that company and then get obviously you guys have done amazing but that had to have been a shock from the beginning yeah it's uh it's nothing that we expected um you know my partner brett and i we had thought about leaving sony for you know probably about a year or so and and leaving a big leaving a big company like that that provides a lot of projects and not only that but a business card that allows you to get almost any meeting that you could possibly want. It's, it's a scary thing to do. Um, and not only stepping away from that big security blanket and the benefits and salaries and, and, and all those, that machine that, that they've created that's um, such a staple in the music industry, but stepping away from that and then three months, you know, two and a half months as independent this pandemic. And I don't know about you guys, but the only time I ever heard of, of a pandemic prior to this was like watching an episode of South Park. Yeah, dude. And like they're, you know, they're making it funny. And then to experience it was like, you know, going through a hurricane for the very first time in Florida, you know, 15 years ago. Like I had heard of a hurricane, but until like you look outside and you see the earth moving with water everywhere, like this is scary. And I think for the same same thing with this pandemic, and I, I feel like a lot of us still are adapting to it even though we're a year into it Absolutely. i mean um, music industry is all about adaptation from from jump street you constantly have to be changing and constantly having to to roll with the punches what was the impetus for you did you see an opportunity where you were just like i really think that we can create something special with further what was the moment where you were like i'm gonna jump and do this i i think it was um a lot of our business partners and radio telling us uh, or even encouraging us saying, Hey, you guys, you guys are great at what you do. And, and you have a lot of fans in your corner that enjoy really like, uh, that really enjoy working with you and Brent. Um, you know, at some point you guys should break off and do your own thing. And then that kind of swirls in your head for a little bit. And it does give you a little bit of confidence that you need to kind of go off. And then you start to analyze how the, the system is within Sony. 
-hmm. And because you you do you do run into a lot of walls working for a big corporation and limitations, and and sometimes they they want you to work as a silo, like sales stays to sales and promotion stays to promotion. And sometimes you you are able to wear uh, multiple hats and that make you successful across the board. Um, and we just we kept finding ourselves in that position where we could do it better our way. Right. The only way to do that was to do it our way and kind of break it off and break off and, and, and uh, kind of just give it a go, take a leap of faith. Well, it's obviously paid off in spades. You guys are absolutely killing it. You guys have had a string of successes. And, and I mean, with starting a new business, of course, there's always these, these moments of like, am I doing the right thing? But in doing my, our research on you, and Dave brought it up, you've, you've been in different career fields and you've gone through different things. And a lot of people who have gone into this situation haven't gone through those things. Like, do you think that your experience with the changing fields and, and being through different things has helped you in starting a new company in, in the time that we're in? Yeah, oh, without, without a doubt. And that's kind of how I got into music, my partner. I actually just sent you a little screenshot of the projects that we did in 2020 just to give you like a visual. Um, but yeah, you know, like the the story before we got going about being in the mortgage industry you know i did that when i was 19 years old i did yeah. that for uh almost 10 years you know I, not to sound like a douche but i was a millionaire at 21. like i had already made a million dollars and i couldn't even couldn't even drink alcohol i was on like my fourth home by the time i was 21 22. um so i had experienced high levels of success at a very young age um, and I didn't come from money. Like I grew up on the free lunch program. I was born in Flint, Michigan. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's heard of Flint, but it is it's not, nice. you don't vacation there. You, you leave there. Um, you know, and then after the mortgage industry crashed in like 20 or 2008, that was, that was a point where I was like, you know, I, I think I do have to reinvent myself and my best friend and business partner, Brent, he encouraged me to go into broadcasting school and you know pursue something that i was passionate about he's always said you know don't don't chase the money the money will come once yeah. you're passionate about something and, and that's kind of what happened um and after the mortgage industry i went to broadcasting school in tampa um shout out to csb and uh then i i worked in television and i did a, did sales and then i was asked to host a tv show so i was a co-host of of home and castle tv and then brent got uh got a hold of me and he was like look I'm, i've noticed what you're doing in in uh in the television thing he's like i'm about to get promoted i would love for you to come in and take my job and i did wow. he he pulled a couple strings and i had no business in the music industry i'd never worked in music you know the closest qualification i had was having like a ipad or a, a cd player <laughs> in my car you know what i mean so i i didn't have a huge background i've always loved music um, but it was kind of like tossing a fish into a water when Sony hired me. It just, it clicked. Yeah. Or swim. So I want to take you back to Flint. Like without putting words in your mouth, what did growing up in Flint, Michigan, cause I'm from the Midwest too. I'm born and raised in Chicago, Chicago land. I should say, I'll get yelled at for saying Chicago, but Chicago land. And I'm very aware of the situation in Flint right now and what it's been like as long as I've been alive and probably a lot longer before that. What did you take from living in Flint, growing up in Flint and using it to become a millionaire at 21 to becoming this music exec? I think work ethic, honestly, like growing up and, and 
when it's time to wear shorts, your mom cuts off her jeans and hands them to you. You just, you kind of become accustomed to that. And she, we grew up poor. Like I was telling you before, like we were on the free lunch program. And when you grow up that way and you don't know anything else, that's just kind of, that's kind of what you do. And my, my parents were super blue collar workers and they still are. And I get my work ethic from them. And I think that that's contributed to, I would say, you know, almost all my success, if not every bit of it, is just, you know, having the desire to win. If you grew up all bougie and like, you know, came from money, do you think you'd be where you are right now? Uh, I don't. I know it's, it's a weird. I, I don't think. I don't think so. I don't. I don't know, but I don't think so. But I definitely look. I. I. It's hard not to compare yourself because I went to a school where I did have friends where their mom and dad maybe bought them their first car where they got like a really nice insert brand name clothes or watches mm. or whatever. And yeah, like I, I scroll through Instagram like everybody else. And you know, my girlfriend and I just bought a house in LA and I think most people know what the point of entry of that is. It's a lot, oh, yeah. it's tough, but it takes a lot of hard work. And I, I have friends that were handed a lot of things that aren't, doing shit with their lives right now. Absolutely. I, I will say too, I come from a pretty similar background to you. I'm from Northeast Philadelphia. And uh, I've noticed throughout coming up in the music industry and, and as an adult, just the fact that I've had to work my ass off my whole life to make something of myself. I appreciate that in a way. It's not, it wasn't a hindrance. It's more of a, it was more of a fuel behind what I do. And it seems like you took it that way as well. Yeah. And it, and it is, it's, it's, when you wake up and you know for sure that the bills may not be paid unless you get up, yep. there's, there's, a, there's a motivation behind that. If you roll out of bed late and you can still cross that finish line every single day, it's like, what's your motivation to, to get up at 5 a.m. on a Monday or Tuesday? It no. makes you wonder how these guys like LeBron James who have everything, and especially a guy who's at like 36, 37, is still every day working to be the best. So uh, there, there's just these anomalies in the world who have, have done that at a high level for a very long time, but it all comes back to the roots in one way or another. Yeah. And I, and I look at guys like that and I'm just like blown away and to go back to the entourage thing, like yeah. Ari gold has always been like an inspiration. And I know it's a, a character, but I think there is like an actual Ari, uh, Ari Emanuel, which station visits are kind of out of the question. And, and a lot of like the, the radio shows and, and meet and greets and things like that. How different has the experience in 2020 been from what you guys would traditionally do? Yeah, it's, uh, it definitely forces you to get creative and kind of hone in on your phone skills because, mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot of people, you know, when I was at Sony that we had a 16 person staff. Um, and as Brent moved up the ladder, I followed in his footsteps. So what that meant is the territories in the country that he was good at, he essentially pass that baton back to me but we hadn't we didn't have any relationships in the northeast and in texas and in some of these pockets of middle america and the flyover states so when we're calling to break a record we're now a two-man crew coming from a 16-person staff we've got to get a little bit uh charming with these guys we've never met in person before i can't take you to dinner and, and like cheers you over a beer Cause that honestly, that was the move before Always. I would set up a promo tour. We'd go to dinner, have a couple drinks, kind of shoot the shit and talk about, uh, talk about life and just kind of bond. Um, 
So yeah, honestly, a lot of first first dates over Zoom with- I was gonna say, have, have you guys been doing the, the meet and greet or more of like the, the station meets over Zoom? Has that been a traditional thing you guys have been doing now? Yeah, to a degree. You'd be surprised how many people don't like a Zoom. I mean, you probably wouldn't be surprised. Uh, the majority. I don't. Of people, I don't like his. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't mind it. I've kind of. I've kind of become accustomed to it, and I think it's better than a text or an email. Agreed. I think phone call and a Zoom are kind of on on the similar level. Um, but yeah, it's tough. And and also radio consolidated quite a bit last year. We talked to Ted Stryker about that uh, last week. Yep. And we were talking about because he was one of the people who who had the opportunity to syndicate and go different places. But we've also had Wendy Rollins from Philadelphia and we've had Mike Jones from, from DC and people who have gotten put in, in different spots because of the consolidation and the, the, I don't like the homogenization of radio. Oh, and I know her, Wendy Rollins, by the way. She's Wendy, Atlanta. Wendy is one of my favorite human beings. She was the band's first champion, and she's actually a really good friend of ours now. Uh, by the way, anybody listening, go check out her podcast, Alternatives. Um, but the one thing I've always found uh, from an artist standpoint, all of our best relationships have come through meeting radio people and having the opportunity to get to know them. Once they know you, it's a lot easier to get your shit spun. Uh, have you ever had a band that has had a, a hasn't you don't have to drop names per se but an artist who didn't want to do the meet and greets didn't want to have to go and meet the station heads and things like that oh yeah oh yeah that's real yeah uh you know some of these guys suffer from like um social anxiety and things of that nature and performing is like their outlet because even though there's a ton of people it's not intimate at all right um, but yeah, I'm actually currently working with a few artists that are, are just, they're not able to do it. It's not part of who they are. Um, it's understandable because it's, it's an odd situation to be put in, in a, in a way for an artist. Cause you're going and yeah. you're, you're shaking hands and kissing babies and not everybody loves to do that. I, on the other hand, love it. We had the opportunity to do the, the gathering, which is the big alt radio oh, yeah, Louisville. Louisville, one of the best times of my life. Dave, basically what it was, was all of the programmers from alternative radio in the country come to Louisville, Kentucky. They throw a fucking raging party for four days. And then a couple times. I know exactly what it is. A lot of bourbon, man. A lot of bourbon. bourbon. The Louisville Shack and the, the hot browns. and The hot brown, dude. We, we wound yeah. up. And so, Dave, once again, Dave's learning all this shit. It, it, radio is not literally like you send your shit in and it automatically gets in rotation. It's a process, and that's Chris's life. But we wound up at a tiki bar at like four in the morning with all of the radio DJs and the like, all these alt DJs drinking Mai Tais, and and it, we became friends with a lot of these people. And, and it's there's so much people don't know about the radio industry. Now, hey, Chris, let me ask you, kind of going off that, is there anybody you've developed an interpersonal relationship with, be it a band or an artist, and I'm not asking you to name names again, where you're just like, dude, this is an awesome band. They're good people. They work their dicks off. They want to be the best possible band or artist they could be, but they just stink, and you don't know how to tell them, like, hey, you guys stink. <laughs> Look at I, that think face. We all, I think we all know one of those. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just just a good person. Music's not not that great, um, and I and I also have like I have a couple of friends that are super talented musically, but they just don't want to play the game. They don't want it at all. Like I've got I've got a buddy that's an incredible singer songwriter, 
Um, and I'm like, hey, we got to go do the show. He's like, well, how much are they going to pay me? I'm like, zero, zero. He's like, oh, I'm not going to do it then. I'm like, but it doesn't work that way. I'm like, you have to build up to that. He's like, look, they want me to sing. I want something in return. That's the deal. I'm like, you're never, it's, that's a tough business model to, to, to run on in the music industry. Yeah. You gotta, well, I mean, we talked to Chris Shiplett a couple weeks ago from the Foo Fighters, and he was saying, we were asking about how different it was rolling out a new album now as opposed to in past cycles. And he said, he's like, I'm so used to, to going on promo tours and doing meet and greets and hanging out at radio stations and doing satellite performances for Letterman and all this shit. He's like, now it's like we just recorded a couple things and – I love the process of when something's dropping, going to radio stations and meeting people and, and garnering new audiences. It, it's, it's, it's a great fucking time. And I, I think I, I always, I've, as I've moved up the ladder in the industry, I've garnered a respect for people in radio who do what you do because it's the lifeblood of how artists become big artists. It's how it really goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is. It's, it's, Radio wants a story. They want more than just the music. Because if, if that were the case, you know, it would just be about the numbers at that point. They want the personality, the story, the MTV behind the music. Yeah. You know, that's why all those different platforms even existed. Because, you know, Michael Jackson was a gr- was a great example. Like his crazy life. Like people were so intrigued by that. Yeah. From the holding the kid over the balcony to him wearing a mask back in the '90s and just the mystique people love that and i think it's part of the storytelling and as these artists grow and develop and change and shave their heads and do just weird shit that's people love to go on that journey and live vicariously through their crazy even aaron carter actions like, yeah i mean well everybody wants a story and yeah. and we we've covered a lot of your successes right and here's a question that i just thought of up off the spot has there been a song that you've passed on your company that has gone on to do yes, numbers. Yes. Give me uh, one. There's gotta be super sour about it too. It's uh, the roses. I'm in back remix. St. John. St. John. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> so a good, a good friend of mine, Krill was working the record in Russia and he played it for me in November. 2019 right before christmas no one had no had no idea what it was yet and we were in west hollywood and he's like man i've got this record for you and I, we were i forget uh laurel hardware as we were and he played it under the table and i'm listening and i'm like man this is really cool and it's a hitco record um with joel uh joel Clayman and and la reed wow. and i got in touch with joel and he said give me a proposal and I already had the blessing from Krill uh, from Russia. And we just didn't, we, we weren't ready. We were still on the outs with Sony and flying back and forth from New York to try to button that up because so, we, uh, Red had rolled over into the orchard. Right. So we're trying to make sure that our relationships with, you know, the orchard people were, were great and we were leaving on good terms. Um, and a lot of respect, you know, mutually. Of course, man. And by the time he wanted a, a proposal, we just, we weren't there. We weren't ready. We were working on logos and, you yeah. know, things like that, station splits and stuff. Um, and by the time I got back to him, it was too late. I had oh, already heard on, on Kiss in LA and it was already Shazamming. And as you guys know, I mean, that thing was huge. And well, that, I was going to ask, did, did, cause that blew up on TikTok. I know that was a huge TikTok song. Yep. 
were you up on TikTok at that point, or was that something that you you've grown to understand and follow the trends on that now, or was that something that at you the know, time I'm, you were... I'm still not that up on TikTok. I'm uh, not either. I mean, I have a TikTok account. I'm not in there a bunch. Uh, I find social media to be like a big time suck. Yes, per personally, um, I understand the importance of it as an artist and content creator and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I. I need to get better. That's probably my weakest. Bro, me and Dave were talking about this earlier. Me and him had a call, and uh, we were talking about social media in general. And I hate it. Uh, I do it because I have to. And this is, once again, when you're an artist and you have to balance all of these things that you don't necessarily like. I hate social media. I think it's a, a abysmal wasteland. But at the same time, it's very important. And Dave was saying, like, I don't love Twitter, but I do it because it's Barstool. I have to do, yeah. I have to do Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. And like when you're looking at that, like I fought TikTok for a long time. I was like, I want no parts of it. Like it's, it is what it is. My wife works in influencer marketing too. And she was like, Colin, if you don't get a TikTok for the band, you're fucking yourself. And I was like, all right, I'll do some research. Yeah. When it comes to like you, you said you guys are working in DSPs now as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you find the pitching between DSP work and radio work to be different? Because in my experience, a lot of the times, Radio is more human. I can get a lot more uh, different. person different. Yeah, and the thing is, is like DS the DSPs they get it, mm. they get it. Radio is typically they want to see a lot more, right? And, I, and the reason for that is they've they can take radio can take less shots. Mm. You know, if you're Apple Music, you can put 50, 60, 75, 100 songs on a playlist, mm -hmm. and Guess what? That playlist will give you analytics in real time. Are people skipping this? Are they completing the song? Are they saving it? Are they adding it to their personal playlist? Like their, their intelligence at Apple and Spotify and Amazon and, and, and whatever else DSPs are out there, it's in real time. Radio has to wait for like ratings to come out. Yeah. Well, do you find it harder now to convince people in radio to pick up certain songs because there's so many analytics behind what gets played? It's tough because also convincing a, a radio station in Nashville to play a certain record is not like convincing uh, a station in Miami or Seattle or LA. They just, they're different or Tulsa, Oklahoma, like the demographic and the audience that you're playing it to is a lot. It's a, it's a lot different, you know, depending on where you're going. So, you know, Desposito, one of the biggest records ever, you know, it just, it did that, that kind of record didn't perform in your Tulsa's and, and, you know, the, some of the flyover states, it right. just it didn't. Um, and if you go there, you'd see why. And, That's and, not what people listen to. Well, luckily enough, there's the uh, LA's and Miami's and the New York's of the world that made that song fucking humongous. So right. Right. It, it, it is in what you do, you have to know these things. You have to know the, I don't know the disposition of the different markets that you're going to. Yeah. How long did that take for you to get your feet underneath? Was that a thing where it, that was, it was trial and error? Yeah. Oh no, totally. That's something that, well, what do you mean you don't want to play this record? Miami's playing the shit out of it, you know, in a sub power rotation. And they would, they would say, have you looked at my playlist? <laughs> no. Why would I look at your playlist? I, I, you know, I've got these guys super excited about the record. And then that's, you know, in my early years in 2016 and, and, and back then, like those were some of the growing pains into the job that you would have to 
understand like just because somebody in Miami is banging the shit out of a record doesn't mean that's going to happen in Salt Lake City or vice versa. Mm -hmm. So every relation or every radio station has a different flavor and tempo and a sweet spot. Now, let me ask you this going off of that. Like, I'm sure you have your style of music you grew up on that you like and that it's not like, for instance, I, and I tell every guest this, I don't, it's not that I don't like country. It's that it's just, I don't really listen to country music. I understand that there are country artists out there that are just absolutely phenomenal. They just don't really hit me in the fucking, like, they don't make my nuts tingle. We'll put it that way. (laughs) And like, have you had to like force yourself to understand what someone in Tulsa, Oklahoma or Flint, Michigan or Detroit likes compared to? And is that like a learning curve or have you just gotten to the point where like, you know, like, you know what Tulsa, Oklahoma wants to hear or El Paso, Texas wants to hear? Yeah. So, so it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B because there are stations that I know the person, the programmer will personally like a record. And then I'll also know where a programmer is smart enough to program to his audience Mm. and not himself. Because at the end of the day, like there are some programmers out there that program off of personal taste and they like, and they're successful. Yeah. But the smart programmers will play the music that they know the audience will resonate with. Because at the end of the day, the audience is what matters. If you want to, you know, DJ to your own liking, go home and, and set up a deck yeah. and shoot some speakers at your face and play music. And I mean, too, Dave, there's different aspects of the music industry and there's different formats of radio. So when you're working, Chris, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but you're working in a triple A format where you're dealing with uh, more curated stuff as opposed to things that are a little more corporate, like the iHeartRadios and the Cumulus of the world. Once again, you got to know the programmers as well there because there's certain things that we have really good friends at at Lightning 100 and, and WXPN and... And that is a far more like that's the DJ's taste. Always, they make their taste based off what their art, what their what their fans like. But they'll spin jazz records if they want to. Oh yeah, it, yeah. it's it's really a big thing. Where you not only have to know the audience, the programmer, but also the company that's fronting the the corporation that is behind the radio station. For sure. And those are the fun programmers too. Like those are the guys that have beers at, at noon on a Wednesday at mm. work because they're like this is how we run it. And they're, and they're typically like uh, an independently owned yep. chain, like lightning 100 or uh, you know, the zoo down in uh, mobile, mobile, Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and I love those guys at the zoo. They're, they're amazing. Um, but it's just a different, they're not trying to win the ratings. Nope. They're trying to exist because there's, there's a need for that out there. And they're far more uh, listener supported. So they need to, and I, I appreciate that too, because we have Bruce Warren, who's one of our best friends in the world. He's a, a huge champion of the band, but he's also a great podcast guest for us, is the GM over there at WX Band in Philadelphia. But knowing him and being such good friends with people like Wendy Rollins, who works for iHeartRadio, and I see these the differences between, I know if we have a single coming out, how to approach Wendy or how to approach Bruce, or it, it, it's it's a game. You set a game. It really is a game. Yeah. Now now looking at, uh, we we covered what you missed, but was, what's the song that you've heard that you got given and right away you were like, I need this. This is going to be a hit. And then it it wound up being a hit. Oh 
man. Um, He's looking uh, at his wall. I love that. Platinum records and all this. <laughs> yeah. That's um, ultimate, ultimate flex right there. Ultimate yeah. flex. Take a, take a little look. Oh, my God. It's way more than I thought. It hey, was. hey, you want to see my walls real quick? There's a couple over here. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Dave, Dave, you look like you're in jail. <laughs> yeah, I basically am. Like a record, like like broken by Lovely the Band. Like, did you know right away? You were like, "This is this is a no, smash." I I didn't I didn't, but really? I will tell you that was probably one of the easiest records that we worked. You know, you know, you're doing something. Well, you know that they did something great when you're getting multiple calls and emails. Mm. Send me the wave. Yep. Oh, that's the, the email wave. right I guess there. Cliners, send me the wave. Okay, here. Um, Let me ask you this: We've talked to Anuraj a little bit. Like, how often does the? I mean, I and I. Obviously, we've said this ad nauseum throughout the podcast that I'm not in the music industry. I'm learning as, a, like, on the fly. Um, how often do you break a record and all of a sudden your phone is just blowing the fuck up like Saigon and Turtle? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's the phone, but the DMs, like, my, my DMs on Instagram are constantly full. Um, and I just feel like the more we grow in the space that we're at, the more people are coming to us with projects and, and cool things that they're wanting to do. But I mean, we stay busy. I mean, you know, luckily I've got a, a, a partner that's, you know, got 25, 30 years in this business and the relationships to, to match that. And, um, you know, we're just like a two man wrecking crew, but we, we try to constantly expand and grow and step into the TikTok spaces like you guys were saying before. But, um, you know, it, the music industry is evolving and moving so fast. I feel like we, we had a, we had a conversation, we've had multiple conversations about this, but it almost feels like the pandemic in a weird way was a reset button. And now things are changing at an even yeah. more rapid pace because nobody knows what the fuck is going on. And it's, it's just going to keep oh. changing and keep changing. I don't know when it levels out, but as of right now, the, the, my, my manager said it to me in probably April. She was like, fucking throw the book out. There's no rules anymore. We have no idea what's going on. So There's not. Yeah. And like iHeart's consolidating. Yep. Um, Intercom's consolidating. Yep. Easily it's like everybody's consolidating. It's, it's almost like, I don't know if you guys have been to Europe, but like BBC, mm-hmm. there's, you know, Radio 1, Radio 2, and, you know, what's the other one? X or XM or, or whatever it is. But there's a couple, ch- uh, a couple stations. And they kind it, of centralized radio. It's odd too because I've seen kind of a pushback in my home market on that, on the centralization and the the lack of the local curation, or more of like a, a radio personality that people want to go to that they've known and trusted for years. Now it's a lot of syndication. And when we were talking to Ted last week, I asked him from the pro from the, the DJ's perspective, is that tough to try and connect with people in markets that you don't know at all? And have you had an experience yet where being that you're in this new world of syndication and consolidation, has the game plan changed? Are you going for the big fish now and kind of skipping smaller spots or is it more like I got to reach everybody? Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of both because it's each radio chain has different uh, preferences on how they want things to roll out, but being stuck at home definitely changes. And you know, what we're doing now is, you know, we want to include as many people as possible. Right. Um, obviously, we're always going to go after the decision maker. We have to work efficiently and effectively and make sure that we deliver for our clients. So, you know, typically the top down is our motto. Um, 
but you know, sometimes you can get a record started in a, in a mid market that people look at and you know what you, you go where you can get it done. And you know, that's, that's kind of the way you got to do it. Wendy gave me a great story one time. I mean, Philly's not a small market. It's like the fifth or sixth biggest media market in the country, but she was the first one to get her hands on uh, little talks by of monsters and men. Oh, okay. And okay. she said it was super interesting for her to see her getting that being one of the first people to play it. And then it exploding from Philly out. It wasn't a situation where it was given down from corporate. It was like right. on a new music show, which yeah. of course, Dave in, in radio, usually you're giving your shit to new music shows. They see how it responds and they go from there. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but yeah, um, it sounds right. So uh, on the, on the, on the backside of this conversation, cause we're, we're, we're coming down towards the end here. One thing I want to know from your perspective, when you have artists and, and people that are coming to you, what advice would you give people that are trying to break a song in radio now and giving it to you? Oh, not to temper expectations, but tell them how things are going to go. What advice would you give to artists and labels right now trying to break in radio? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's always, always, always going to boil down to the song. Always. It doesn't, you know, and to kind of compliment that if the song is great, the numbers will follow eventually. Once, once some light is shined on it, like they will follow. People share things that they like and, you know, great art gets exposed. It really does. Um, and I will tell you, it's the music business, right? Always. So, you know, make sure that you're willing to, uh, to live outside your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. um, and, and make sure that you're, you're well-funded. Like you're gonna have to travel. You're gonna have to do things uh, this is this is probably one of the most competitive industries out there, and there are people out there with uh, a lot of resources and studios and everything that they need, and and that's who you're competing against. When you make music, you are competing against Taylor Swift. Yep, you are competing against The Weeknd. Like that's your competition. Like you already know who it is. So just keep that in mind and. I think having uh, realistic expectations of what you are and what you are not and, and the, solid, the level of self-awareness that comes along with that in order to be successful. Is it's, one, it's one of the hardest things for artists to get through their heads. And, and you meet certain people and you're like, this guy's got delusions of grandeur. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But to be successful in a certain perspective, you do have to have that because you have to have an undying self-confidence that you can somehow pull this fucking miracle yeah. off. And listen, like the, the, the sound is, is ever changing. Billie Eilish is a great example of that. Absolutely. Not something that I personally am a huge fan of, but look at how great she's doing it and, and good for her. Like that's incredible. Um, and persistence and artist development's a real thing, man. It, it takes time to get somewhere and everybody peaks at a different age just because you're, not on the cover of Billboard at 25 doesn't mean you yeah. won't get there at 35. Well, I mean, Dave, we talked to Pete Lyman, who's a mastering engineer out of Nashville, who who does all of Chris Stapleton stuff. And we talked about the fact that Chris Stapleton wrote in Nashville for almost 15 years before he even got his fucking shot at 37. You never know, but it's the fact is he didn't stop working. He didn't expect anything to be handed to him, and he grinded it the fuck out until he, until yeah. he got where he wanted to be. We were talking to Shane Hall yesterday, and <clears throat> he said that, like, he was making just lateral move after lateral move, but like each each like uh, proceeding move would be like a half inch farther, and then all of a sudden he's playing at a show for he said it was for two hundred bucks, and it's just him, his drummer, and his and him on the guitar, two man show, 
and uh, Pepper. If I don't know if you're familiar with the band Pepper, uh, Ray, I mean they're a SoCal band, reggae uh, band, and uh, like they Pepper saw them and was like, hey, like we want to sign you to our record label, like, and Shane Hall's like, uh, what? So like you got to make those lateral moves, and yeah. then all of a sudden you know, next thing you know, you're you're signed. Uh, your music's being distributed, and and it's just a it's just a fucking grind. It's a Some grind. of the best things that's ever happened to me in the music industry happened uh, at moments when I was like, I don't know what the, where we're going here. I mean, we got off a, yeah. a a really really shitty tour in like two years ago, and we got home and we're like, I don't know what the fuck is going on at this point. I went out to L.A. and when I got to the airport, I got a phone call from a giant radio station. It was like, we want you to open for Bon Jovi at the at the stadium in Philadelphia, and I was like, sure out of fucking left oh, field think about it <laughs> well it, it's it's a matter it's always a matter of who can put their head down do the work and fucking figure the game out yeah yeah it's totally true and you got to be persistent you got to keep going because a thousand no's can lead you to a yes and if it's yep. the right yes you're good it's everything man it, it, i i don't think that there's any group of people that get told no and have to keep coming back to the mat more than artists because i told dave the other day like forty-four thousand songs a day on on Spotify are uploaded. Fucking crazy. There's a big, big fucking pond, dude. A day. There's a big fucking pond of competition. And if you're not a killer, if you're not ready to go for it, just get the fuck out of the way. Why even bother? Why even Your bother? server must be as big as a pyramid. It's, it, 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 it's, it's unbelievable. Like, can you imagine all the data? Dave, you guys had to go down with the, with the, uh, with the gambling site on Super Bowl Sunday, man. It, it's That wasn't us. That was third party that fucked us. But fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> uh chris this has been outstanding man I, I really can't thank you enough for obviously a busy man taking time out of your schedule to spit some game and, and teach us some things about the radio industry and and just everything you guys have going on anybody looking for the services that chris's company does go to further and and fucking take the next step in your career because you and brent obviously have something special going on furthermusic.co guys thank you so much for having me on it's been it's been Amazing chat with you guys. Great interview. I've, I've had a blast. I appreciate I'm it. I'm going to get with this combo. I really appreciate you hopping on with Colin and I. All right. So that was our interview with our friend Christopher Brown. If you have any needs in radio or whatever it is, go over to Further Music and get the met because they're fucking killing it over there. Uh, Chris and Brent are doing an amazing job. I'm very happy to finally bring back our segment, The Green Room Picks. We haven't done this in a couple weeks, and I'm really excited to talk about this one because we talked about it earlier, but returning is live music soon. And I want to know who we want to see moving forward in a live music setting. Now, the caveat to this is we, ha we could not have seen them before the pandemic. So bands that we want to see that we have not seen yet. Uh, I have three. Dave has three. Wendy has three. Dave, I'm going to let you go first, and then Wendy, then myself. Okay, you never gave me the caveat that we couldn't see them yet. All right, that's okay, because I, I can throw a curveball there, <laughs> and I have not seen John Mayer with Dead & Co. yet. So they're in Chicago every year at Wrigley Field, and I've seen John Mayer solo a million times over. I have yet to see them with Bob Weir and the Dead, dead & Co. and everything I would for love no to see reason that. at all. I just haven't made it there. And I actually, as much as I hate Wrigleyville and the Chicago Cubs, I absolutely love Wrigley Field as a concert venue. It's fan-fucking-tastic. Right across the street from the Metro where Wendy reminded me that I got roofied if she... <laughs> Wants to keep going down that road again. Uh, like but, I laughed about that. It's not funny. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, but yeah, I have not seen Bob Weir. Uh, I've never seen the Grateful Dead in, in general. Obviously, it's a lot different now than uh, years ago. But John Mayer and Dead & Co., that's who I cannot wait to see eventually. 
I haven't seen them either, and I haven't seen Fish, which is another band. I I've ne- yeah, and have they list. go to Wrigley every year too, and I've never seen them either. And I love Fish. I would, I would love to see those guys. All right, Wendy, who's your first pick? Uh, my first pick is uh, one that I saw. I will say I saw in like a showcase setting, doesn't but that count. doesn't count. Doesn't yeah. count. So I'm gonna say the number one band that I want to see is Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. I knew you were gonna say that. Let's go. <laughs> Frank Carter's a fucking monster. That guy's insane. He is. I, I, I've seen so much footage of them. I'm obsessed with them as a band. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I cannot get enough of that band. And it was one of those that I found out about uh, really towards. I think it was the end of of twenty or ni- twenty nineteen. Mm. Then twenty twenty, I became the, the the full obsession developed, and and now. Now I'm just, I'm just waiting. That showcase we played at too. That was the gathering. And uh, I I remember we were driving into Kentucky and I saw on Wendy's like Instagram story, Frank Carter upside down with his feet on the fucking ceiling. And I was like, holy shit, we got some competition this weekend. (laughs) This guy, I mean, so, and that's a thing that he does. If there is a ceiling he can get to. So he will crowd surf. Every, every band does that, sure. But his thing is he's going to crowd surf and then he's going to do a headstand on top of the crowd. And that's that's how he does it. That's next level shit right there. Yeah. I uh, can't even compute that in my brain. Yeah, like, me neither. I'm, I'm dude, a guy. I love it. How does that? Guy, but I can't do that shit. <laughs> Jesus. All right, well, that's a good pick. Uh, my first pick is a, a combo pick and it's Silk Sonic. It's Anderson Pack and mm-hmm. fucking Bruno Mars together. Good choice. First off, Anderson Pack is my, probably my favorite current artist. I've been obsessed with him for like five years now. Bruno Mars is one of the most underappreciated musicians in the fact that people think about him for his pop hits. He's a fucking band. Oh, leader. he's a great musician. He's a band leader. He's he's got a little bit of James Brown in him, and the fact that he, oh, he's got, he's he runs, got a lot of James runs a tight ship, and to watch those two guys together in the musicality, that's my number one pick. Right, I would love to see that show. I saw him in two thousand sixteen or seventeen or so. Ooh. And it was at the United Center. I don't typically like indoor concerts, but he blew the roof off the place. He was absolutely wow, so amazing. Cool. All right, so that's the first round. Dave, what's your second pick? Uh, next pick. So I love country concerts. I love like every not not necessarily just because of the music. And Wendy, like we've gone over this a thousand times in all of our Lord. other shows. It's I'm not I'm not a big country music fan at all. Like I, it's not because I don't respect like Brad Paisley, who is my green room pick right here. Uh, it's just because that, it, that it rarely hits me in the, in the feels as the kids say mm-hmm. um, like Brad Paisley. I think he's one of the most fan, like awesome guitarists on the Great planet. guitar player. Um, I've never seen him live, but a country concert, you can't match it. You cannot match a concert concert. I've seen a bunch of them live. And I'm like, why don't I enjoy this music? Like on my own more often, I think yeah. it's summer music to me it and is- we don't have summer in Chicago. <laughs> other than a couple months a year, but um, I, I would love to go see Brad Paisley at like Alpine Valley or you know Soldier Field or something. Yeah, you're, up you're, a, you're in a you're a Georgian. Do you enjoy country music at all, Wendy? Nah, it's no. not your okay. We're see. I I'm trying to impress Wendy, like because <laughs> her and I don't know each other, and I was so nervous about saying I don't like country music. And oh, then no. when, now now we're all on the same page. We're good no, again. No. I mean, I I appreciate it. Oh, exactly. I appreciate, I appreciate it for sure. All kinds of music, but there's a difference between appreciating and liking. Right. Like I, I appreciate what you're doing. I'm not saying you're not talented. I'm not saying that you don't write great songs. I just 
I, I just don't feel it. Yo, yeah, one day, exactly. one, one it's day, as I'm going to send, send you guys the Dropbox folder of the songs that I've written on Music Row with country songwriters. Oh boy, that are terrible pop country songs. And you're gonna fucking hate me because some of these are so. We, no, we had to release bad. those eventually. Like I don't care if it's twenty or a hundred podcasts down the road. We oh, just no, gotta we listen. Will. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, and the thing is too, all the all like my Nashville people were like, dude, that fucking song, whatever the fuck it was called. Like, uh, there's a song called Game Changer that I wrote. It's so bad. I just got so embarrassed thinking about it. But they're like, dude, that'd be a country smash. And I was like, yeah, but is my soul worth it? Like, is my soul, <laughs> is my soul worth it? Like, I don't know. So, no, I I like country music, but I've been – this is a college baseball thing. They turned me onto it. So, it's another – it's a whole other side of me. But, okay. uh, Wendy, your second pick. My second pick is uh, Kenny Hoopla. Oh, fuck yeah. We talked about him with Ted Stryker. Mm-hmm. I, I am really interested in that guy. Um, I, I want – sometimes I, I hear an artist that I don't know anything about and I kind of get into the album. The next thing is like, I want to see that next show. I want to see, can you pull it off live? Is it even better live? Yeah. I, I just, I want to, I want to find out about that guy. Um, and he's really interesting to me. I follow him and I, I don't know. I, I, I think he, he runs pretty deep. When, when we had that conversation earlier about artists being themselves and letting it fucking loose, He's one yep. of those guys. He lets it loose. And I, yes. I'm a big fucking fan. So that's a great yeah. pick. I'd like to see that. I, I like him. Uh, my second pick is more of like a, the first one was like my favorite. The second one is a band that I've watched so many times do festivals like on YouTube that like I just want to be there for the experience. And it's Arcade Fire. I've oh. never seen Arcade Fire. And I would kill to be there during like the suburbs or be there during wake up just to chant with the crowd I there, would... there, you want to talk about art like you yeah. said earlier yeah it's there it's yeah. there I, I fucking love arcade fire and i their last tour in philly they performed in the round in the middle of the stadium in a boxing ring and i would love to see that and plus there's like fucking 50 of them and i'm a big fan of that so yeah, uh, yeah. Arcade i fire... saw that tour it was it was it was wild arcade fire is my second pick dave round us out with your third my third one is a band I want to see at Red Rocks. I don't know why I want to see him at Red Rocks, mostly because I've never been to Denver. I've never been to Red Rocks, and I feel like it'd be an awesome show. I want to see Foxtrot and the Get Down at Red Rocks Amphitheater in fucking, I don't think it's technically Denver, but it's in the Denver area. Can you make Buddy, that happen soon? Uh, I don't think the Barstool connection is going to hurt me. I think it might There you go. Nice you, can, you can name drop anybody you want. Get the fuck out of here. I'm going to events. Exactly. Listen, we have ideas. We have ideas out the ass. But uh, yes, I would be more than welcome to. Uh, I That is a dream venue for me. I think for me, it goes like, I mean, Red Rocks might be number one just because it's so fucking. It's cool. Red Rocks. Yeah. I'm, I mean, to me, like, I, I'd love to do like, I don't know, like the Troubadour in L.A. would be amazing. And then in New know, York Wembley I mean, or well, something. I don't know. I played Webster Hall in New York, which was my number one New York venue, which was fucking mm-hmm. sweet. Um, yeah, Red Rocks is probably number one. That's it's pretty, mm. that's a that's a that's a bucket list. Dave, that's a great pick, dude. I really like that pick. That's, 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 that's I I can't wait to see you guys live, man. I really can't. Yeah, I, well, you're gonna be playing with us. So I don't that's know. That's true. That's yeah. true. Wendy, if you don't know, Dave, we're training Dave to become a rock star. And, oh, uh, I know. Oh I yeah. Know. So I'm following uh, the epic saga. Could you imagine? 
imagine if Dave's fucking first show was Red Rocks? That would be there. <laughs> like that's the goal. I'd feel I'd feel dirty about that because like that, like you said, that's a dream venue. And then my dumbass is up there playing. Like, look at this idiot. Do you understand how much fun that would be for us? Oh to yeah. Look over just to get the look on your face when you had to walk out in front of fucking five thousand people in a fucking canyon, and you're like, I don't even know what I'm doing, and we're all on stage like. <laughs> Look at this guy. All right, yeah. So that's our plan. We figured it out. <laughs> Wendy, what's your third pick? Perfect. Uh, my my third pick. Uh, it may be a little bit surprising, but there was one particular artist or band uh, that we were robbed of in 2020 that I never got to see, even though they have been one of my favorites of all time, which is Rage Against the Machine. Fuck mm-hmm. yeah! Let's go. You've never seen Rage? Never saw them. Really? It was well. Look, man. I grew up in the South. Yeah, I don't think they avoid yeah, th- they're coming down. I didn't think they were coming down to the south. Who was booking rage in yeah, the 90s in Atlanta? That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I don't rage see was like, nah, we'll yeah, stop. they don't they don't cross the Mason Dixon line, do they? Yeah, no. Well, now now they're kind of a legacy actually, though, and it's 2021, so yeah, probably a good yeah. chance we can make that happen. Yeah, they'll come. I mean, I've seen I, I've seen members of, but I Zach. I have not. Yeah. Did you see Prophets of Rage? Yes. When they did it with with Chuck D, I would have loved that. Saw it. Yeah. Oh, that's a great goddamn pick, and I would love to see Rage. That that's up there on my list too. And uh, uh, a band that I got robbed of in 2020, uh, and this is my last pick. Is the last pick for the week. A band I've never seen. This is a legacy act. It's a band I want to see before they're gone. Is Fleetwood Mac. Yes. I want to saw them twice on their last tour. I would love to see Fleetwood Mac. And uh, here's the story I'll leave you with. Uh, when they were in Philly in 2018, I believe, they were playing two shows at the Wells Fargo Center. And I was bartending in a bar at Center City at this point. Between tours and everything, I was going home and I was bartending at a bar in Center City. And uh, at my bar sits down this old British guy. And he orders a glass of wine. And then he orders like eight more. And Was it just, Mick? He's just sitting there vaping at the bar just fucking chugging Merlot finally cashes out. And I'm like, this guy, cause we were right next to the Logan hotel, which is where all like the famous people stay in Philadelphia. And, uh, I look at the card and it's John McVie. It's the bass player. Say, for Fleetwood yeah, yeah. John McVie. It was He's John the McVie. least recognizable. Yep. hundred percent. He was cool as fuck. Me and him talked for a while. We, we, nothing came up about anything. The next night Fleetwood Mac canceled, canceled the concert because John McVie was violently ill. <laughs> Did you poison him? Did I you roofie know. him? I have no idea. So I was did like, you oh roofie him? Was he hung we come over? back to the metro. Was again. he hung over? I was like, did I did I get John McVie too drunk? Like he was just this cool old British guy who was vaping at my bar. I didn't know what to do. And I remember like looking at his credit cards. I said to uh, to somebody I was working with, I was like, there's no fucking way this isn't one of the members of Fleetwood Mac. And I looked at the credit card and it was John McVie. And I was like, motherfucker, that's banging. Canceled the show because John McVie's sick the next day. And I was like, oh, my God, I killed John McVie. <laughs> and that's where we leave you this week, ladies and gentlemen. Another week of all the guest lists in the books. We have to thank Wendy Rollins for being here. She's a fucking friend for life. She's going to be a constant contributor to the podcast. Go check out Alternatives. Uh, Wendy, anything you'd like to say on the way out? Uh, no, I, I just I really appreciate you guys always extending the invitation. And it's always cool to just talk music and connect and you know, just check in with everybody. I know we're forever away and talking through screens is not the same, but it'll do for now. uh, And we will, we will all see each other very soon. No doubt. 
we're both just going to come stay. When we do our Atlanta episode of the video series, we're turning David into a rock star. We'll just come stay at your house. It's not a big deal. You, you, got, you, go. you got a place. Cool, man. Uh, I want to give a thanks to Christopher Brown for being here this week. Great interview. Go check out further music. I want to give a thanks to the cowboy, Dave Williams. Dave, you beautiful motherfucker. I didn't even ask you this this week. How, how's the guitar going? I'm sure it, was, it didn't happen while you were gambling. It, it didn't. I haven't touched <laughs> it since. What's today? Monday? So almost a week. Uh, Tuesday or Wednesday of last week. I'm going to pick it up first thing tomorrow morning, though, because I loosen up for the next few days. But uh, it's coming along slowly, but surely we'll say that. Yeah, well, call me tomorrow and we'll set something up. Uh, Perfect. And then uh, other than that, fucking love you guys. We'll see you next week. And uh, we have some we have some great shit next week. So that's how we'll end it. So fuck you guys. We love you.